Welcome to Kashmir on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir Magazine. And we have a wonderful guest tonight, uh, as we usually do. And tonight's guest is Rabbi Yossi Nemes from the uh, Louisiana Kashmir Committee from uh, Louisiana, basically Metairie, but... Uh, you know, we're going to discuss a little bit about what's going on in Louisiana, maybe down the South in general. We're going to discuss some uh, t- uh, touring down there, the Kashrus issues, and we have other topics on board too. But before we get to Rabbi Nemes, I'd just like to say uh, two points. One is a Kashrus point, and one is a general point. The Kashrus point is that uh, a lot of investigation has been done very recently in a thing called cod liver. I know most people never saw cod liver. I personally never saw it, although I did see the insects that are in there. And unfortunately, there's an unbelievable amount in cod liver. And uh, the halacha of cod liver is different than uh, than other flesh of a fish. Uh, it's considered to be the liver is part of the internal organs. And what the halacha says is the stomach or the b'nei me'ayim, and it includes specifically the liver, as one of those organs where if you find insects inside, then you are not allowed to eat it. You're not allowed to eat them. So in the liver itself, there are a number of them in the cod liver. I don't know, cannot tell you exactly now the reason for it, but it's anisakis. And uh, the work that we have seen done is that uh, they're averaging around seven worms in a can. So we're not talking about one... Uh, worm and 10 cans. No, we're talking about voluminous amounts. We advise all of our listeners to avoid cod liver, even though it has a hashkocha. Uh, perhaps somebody can, you know, produce information that their particular cod liver is uh, free of insects, of nematodes, worms, danisakis. Fine. Uh, until that time, that's uh, just a general warning. It's not a common thing, but there is a, a product that's being there are products being sold that are called cod liver, and they have a certification on the can. Now, the the next thing I wanted to just talk about. Well, you know what? We're running late. I'll owe you that one. Lean that the next week. So right now, without further ado, we're going to Rabbi Nemes. It's Yassi Nemes. Rabbi Nemes, you there? Good evening, and hello to your audience. Okay, very good. We got you on. Go ahead. Want to hear a little bit about New Orleans? And how do we pronounce that word? Metairie? Yeah, the suburb I live in is called Metairie. Metairie. Okay. So now we're going to try to work on to remember. Metairie. At least let's give us an idea of... um, How long are you down there, Rabbi? Uh, We're here 23 years. Oh, Wow. The time flies. I've spoken to you for a number of years already, but, <laughs> but 23 right. years is a long time. Baruch Hashem. Yes, let, let me ask you, uh, what could uh, the, what would the, be the reasons for going to the uh, general area? What, what, what are the attractions in New Orleans for, we're talking about the kosher consumer here. We're not talking about other kinds of people. So right. what, what would, what's the kind of typical person that you do run across that does come down there? Maybe uh, some of our listeners might understand why they may be interested in that particular area. Right, so it's, it's usually one of three things. For the most part, it's a person coming down for business, and more particularly for conventions. There are a lot of conventions here. 
probably after Chicago, New York, and Las Vegas, it's probably the fourth largest uh, convention uh, destination in America. So you have a lot of uh, kosher consumers, a lot of uh, from people that come to conventions, and um, they're, of course, looking for kosher food. That's one, one type of person. There are those that come to vacation. Now, New Orleans is known for the French Quarter and uh, the, the, the wonderful uh, non-kosher restaurants that right. are there. So obviously there are not many from the people that come, but some people come because of the very nice art galleries and there's the alligator swamps. I mean, there are people that come okay. touring, and, and, and definitely, but I wouldn't say that it's a lot of people, but there are definitely people that come. And then you always have people uh, either passing by or coming for a simcha of an old friend or, or all kinds of people uh, visiting family that may have moved their distant relatives and things like that. So, like, uh, you know, you always, we, we're always having people from out of town here. Uh, well, before you go on to anything else, I just, I, this is very interesting to me. Um, first of all, you're situated exactly where? Where would I find them? Where are the big cities that are near you? Or not near, so, actually. We're, they're, we're, they're a little bit away. We're on the northern coast of the Gulf of Mexico. Yes. Um, if, if you go directly west 350 miles, you'll have Houston. If you go directly north 350 miles, you'll have Memphis. Uh-huh. So let me ask you this: that you mentioned that people come down for the uh, conventions, and uh, there might be a significant number, even from people. Do, can you provide kosher meals for them in the hotels? Is that is that something that's done? So in, in our case, um, Chabad. I know in many places Chabad does provide kosher meals, but because we have here two Flashika uh, restaurants that both deliver, we, we leave the catering to them. And, um, and and as as the as the administrator of the Louisiana Kosher Committee, uh, you know we just oversee the restaurants. But both restaurants deliver food, and they you know they they, they prepare the food on site, and we'll send it down sealed, uh, ready for the kosher consumer. You have you have dairy and flaschics, or what, what do you have there? Okay, so right now we have four places, four local establishments in town. I guess the flagships are the two Flaschica restaurants. They're both in Metairie, which is 20 minutes from the convention center in downtown in the French Quarter, but they do deliver. And um, then we also have in another neighborhood called Uptown New Orleans, where Tulane University is. Uh, that's about 15 minutes from downtown. We have a kosher chalavisrol waffle place, kind of a breakfast place or a light lunch place, actually becoming really popular. And then we also have in Metairie a kind of a specialty store, a gluten-free bakery, which is a, the, the first three places are owned by, uh, by, by Jews, by Shemesh Shabbos uh, people. The fourth one is actually a non-Jewish bakery, but from a Hashgacha standpoint, as you know, Rabbi Wickler, it's completely, there's no dairy there. No, uh, it's, it's a completely vegan place, no dairy, no eggs. And um, everything is, so, you know, when we came there, we checked out 50 products, and 46 of them were kosher parv when we came for our first visit to Duhashgacha there. Not so much work left. And how many people do you have that work together with you in terms of uh, mashkichim or watching the hashgachas themselves? Not talking about the committee, the rabbis or whatever, but just understanding how the operation works. So the way the operation works, and... um, it's it's the rabbis that actually all the Orthodox rabbis are invited to be on the vod and most of them are. 
the uh, some of the other Chabad rabbis definitely go into the restaurants, uh, Rabbi Shechter and Rabbi Rifkin. But uh, I'm privileged to have here is a rabbi in a shul called Anchisfard, Rabbi David Polsky, who worked for the OU oh, for many years, Kashrut sure. Department. Sure, I, I think but I, he really. I think everybody yeah. really knows him. They just don't Could, realize that they know him. Anybody who called up the OU and asked the Kashrus question for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, until just about when he came down, they were speaking to Rabbi Polsky. Right. So he has greatly helped me. Um, He's been a partner in some of our newer, in the the two new places. Beautiful. Um, And he's helped me in the restaurants as well. He's very thorough. He has experience. It's definitely been a blessing for us to have him here. Very nice. That's that. That's and, uh, that's a. Wait, what what about some growth in the neighborhood? Has there been has there been a growth in terms of the uh, the, the community itself? I know there was a, a a big knockdown when people went went away after the 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 terrible tragedy that that took place over there. What and I know that not everybody came back. But what has been the last couple of years been for you? So after Katrina, like you mentioned, after Hurricane Katrina, there was the community shrunk by about 30-40%, and remember, New Orleans is not used to North Atlanta. It's, to begin with, a smaller community. But there's no question that we've seen a lot of growth. There are a lot of younger people here, a lot of people coming for teaching and, and, and jobs and, and other uh, and, and, uh, construction originally, and then now they're coming into other fields. And just, I would say, in the last two years, we're seeing also in the Frum community um, a real growth with young families. I mean, Baruch Hashem, I could say that in our, in our synagogue, which is the Chabad Center in Metairie, as well as the synagogue across the street, Beth Israel, uh, it's, full of, uh, it's full of little babies and children. So it, it, it's not that it's, uh, the, the growth is maybe not exponential like in a place like Atlanta, but there's definitely been considerable growth here as well. Okay. Well, we have you on the phone, so we'll be able to talk a little bit about uh, your involvement as Chabad. I'm very interested in this because, as I said, we've had a conversations over the years quite a few times, and uh, I respect what you, what you tell us, and I think it's important for a lot of our listeners to understand a little bit about Chabad. I mean, I'm not Chabad, but uh, I, I'm talking to you, and you, you are Chabad. You'll be able to help us a little bit. You know, sure. There are people have, where they want to travel. So the first thing they look, they look at, hopefully, is, uh, is this book over here with all the kosher symbols in the world. That's ours, the kosher supervision guide. Or they look in the kosher travel guide, which is to 283 cities across the United States of America. They're fine. They go there. But you know what? Sometimes they don't have an answer. Sometimes there's something that's confusing to them. And many people will do, and I advise it, is, you know, you go to Chabad, you go to Chabad.com, you pu- plug in centers, and you type in the city or the country or wherever you want to go, and then you'll find a Chabad representative in that particular country, in that particular city, state, city, and city, and at that point, you have a contact. And that contact is very helpful. My daughter went out of town, and she wanted to get Chal of Israel. So, in a certain city, uh, it wasn't in the stores, Today it is, but in those days it wasn't in the stores. So I told her we're gonna we're gonna go to chabad.com and we'll find out. And sure enough, there were three chabad rabbis in that town, and uh, we emailed all three of them. And sure enough, we got our answer, a call or a, an email. I forgot what it was. And sure, we, whatever you need, 
Just come by. We'll take care of you. And that's exactly what happened. Other, she had a full program. It was just a question of Chol Israel. But a lot of people, they are not so easy for them to find. Uh, you know, you have, you have in your town, you have these restaurants and with your good hashkacha. But there's plenty of places that, that don't have either a good hashkacha or they don't have anything that's kosher. So they're, the people are a little bit at a loss and they want to visit that particular area for whatever reason. You mentioned some reasons why people would visit an area which they, it's not just where it's a Hamish or Oilam, there's other things that they're going out there for. And they, they, they live at a loss. So they have the Chabad name now. And can I ask you a little bit if I have a Chabad sure. name? means a rabbi who's, who's a shliach for Chabad calls himself Chabad of this or whatever it is. He maybe calls it, uh, uh, he calls it Lubavitch or something or Chabad of this. At, at that point, we're talking about a shliach. Is a shliach somebody that, uh, I mean, does he have smicha? Is he somebody who is officially a rabbi? So I would say probably 95% of the shluchim, maybe more, have smicha. Which means they went through all of Yeridea, you know, all the the pertinent parts of Yeridea, etc. There might be some that are not that don't have smicha, but basically uh, anybody who's functioning as a shliach is knowledgeable of the kosher situation in town and knowledgeable of at least the basic halachas of kosher. So uh, I, I I I really think that the the uh, traveling consumer. If they have a question or they have a need, they can call up the Chabad Rabbi and we'll give them the basic uh, halachic information, the basic kashras halachic information. Now, you know, an educated consumer is the best customer. If a person has a particular question and they have a particular standard, they should uh, bring that to us as well and we'll see what we can help them and... Uh, and, uh, and if not, not if not, they'll know right. they, that that's not going to be right. available. Right. That's right. A, that's the, obviously the best right. way. Let me ask you right. also. The, you mentioned that most of the Chabad rabbis, ninety whatever seventy five percent have smicha. Would you say that the a Chabad rabbi before he goes into being a shliach, he's had some training or experience, on site experience in some place or other, supervision, whatever. You, you know, in, in, in my days, there wasn't formal training. I mean, I went out three years ago, but even then, we, we always traveled to other shluchim. We definitely had, uh, you could say, an informal internship. Today, the, the shluchim that are going out today, who are whatever they are, 23, 24, 25 years old, probably spent many yom tevim and many summers by other shluchim and in many different communities. I mean, they know... Um, they know not only Yeridea, I think that they understand the world in, in, right. in, to the extent needed to, to, for their shlichus. I'm quite aware about what you're talking about because I do tie into communities all across the country and even out of the country too. And many times uh, the, a community is starting up. I know, in, like for example, one city I'm thinking of in particular, I had to travel through that city and I wanted a minion. Because I had to be, I had to get a mariv on, on the way from point A to point B. So I called the rabbi up and he told me, "Listen, we don't have a mariv. We we don't we don't have a shacharis. We have Shabbos shacharis. But if you tell me you're going to be here 
I'll try to get a minion. So I told him, don't worry, I'll find another place. But the point was that that's the level he has. And sometimes he has to bring out some people to help make the minion. And sometimes he wants to do a special teaching program. He'll bring some, some, some boys out. I've seen that many times that, that these boys have been brought out. And they, they do get that kind of experience in how to deal with the world. And it is very, very important. Uh, we have it in the non-Labavid system. We also have seed where people go out. But the difference is that very often in seed, they uh, are learning with individual people in the community, but they don't usually get a chance to touch into any of the rabbinical aspects of it, which where I, sometimes the boys who go with Chabad do have that. In addition to that, I've come in contact with, uh, unfortunately, I deal with people who are in prison. Uh, unfortunately, a goodly number. And very often, the young Chabad uh, people who were training, who were learning in day or whatever, they'll be going out sometimes, sometimes to these uh, prisons to meet the Jewish prisoners. And it's, uh, you know, they definitely are getting some exposure, as you said, to the world. Right. No question about right. it. Right. I, we are mentioning about the different places. Now, just for my listeners to understand, uh, it's probably unlikely that you have a mashkiach tamidi in these establishments. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back to that in a second. I want to make one more comment yeah. about the people who come and ask for help from Chabad and so on. You know, there, there's somebody had uh, came up with a milsa de b'dichasa that they said that, you know, today we have to say, that, uh, you know, just like we're here to service the people who are not yet from in our communities, which is primarily what the Shluchim are going out for, we're happy to service Fruma people, our Fruma brothers and sisters, and whatever they need. And, you know, and these relationships are very valuable. Sometimes people will call me from New York or from, from Brooklyn or from Muncie or from Lakewood and say, we're coming down, do you need anything? Can we bring something? Right. Can we bring you something and you'll, you'll reimburse us? And that, that's very meaningful, and sometimes they leave donations. And uh, obviously they're very helpful, but we, we appreciate uh, uh, these relationships, and we're and we're happy to help because we're now, all we're all in the same business. Exactly. We're all trying to serve. Exactly. We're all trying to serve the Abish, and we're also all trying to help promote the pro- uh, the proper things of Kashrus and exactly. Shabbos, etc. And we we're very help- happy to be helpful. And that's why I'm always happy to be helpful to you with the other communities that I right. that I deal with. Thank but you. you're going to go back to the to the as- aspect of the actual hashkocha. Go the ahead. restaurants, okay. So this is important to know, and I, and I freely share it with anybody who calls me from out of town, especially if I'm specifically asked. Our two Fleshika places do not have Hashgacha Tamidis. Now let me, um, we, all, we all know that every Fleshika restaurant in New York is going to have a Mashgich Tamidi, and that is, you know, wonderful. Uh, when we started here about 17 years ago, uh, when I or when I started to uh, go into the, the, when I get involved in Ashgacha, when the previous rabbi left over here, and there was some things that had to be done, I spoke to a lot of the national agencies, and then really some people that I trust in the agencies said, "Look, we have our policy, and our policies are there for to keep the best standards. But when you're in Ari Hasada in your particular situation, we're going to help you work out a situation that." You, you, that from that of people can be comfortable with. So both owners of the restaurants are Shema Shabbos, and either they're there or there's another, another person, Shema Shabbos and Kash is there. Yes. And, uh, but we don't have Mashgich Tamidim, but the, but the, the rabbis or um, the Mashgichim walk in there 
almost daily, I would say. Very important. And at different times. And um, the other thing I should say is that when it comes before Pesach, so a couple of weeks before Pesach, when at the time when they might be selling out of the same uh, different parts of the kitchen, chametz and not chametz, we do have a mashgiach tmidi, like for the week and a half before Pesach, and other special times if there's something special going on, something unusual going on. But, uh, you know, and, and most people understand that, and they call the Rav, and the Rav says, yes, uh, I think you can eat there, and some people, and some people uh, don't, and some people will decide... Hello? Yeah, we're, hear here. we're here. We're here. You're fine. Yeah, okay. Here. I had a little... I had a, and some people decide to eat parv in the places. And, you know, each right. person, I certainly respect and, and work with every person according to their standards and what their off tells them. So, now let me... Let, let's say we have one. I'm going to take callers as soon as they'd like to call us at 718-683-5858. If you want to text us, I hope it'll be able to see it. The day we're going to see it. Um... So we could text us at 347-927-8398. Again, uh, 347-927-8398 if you want to text us. And if you'd like to call us, then call 718-683-5858 to speak to myself, Rabbi Yosef Wickler from Kashus Magazine, or to Rabbi Yossi Nemes from, the, uh, from New Orleans, from the organization called... Louisiana Kashrut Commission. Committee, I'm sorry. Committee. Yes, yeah, right, right, committee. And so just where we give an idea, let's say I'm coming out. You've been, you, know, you know what New York is all about. And we have very firm people, Baruch Hashem. What would you say, I mean, they can call, but what would you say that the average person should do about different kinds of foods? Are there some things that they might want to bring? Are there things they'll find down there? What could they find in the store down in New Orleans. So besides the fact that there's many things you can find in the supermarket, like any supermarket uh, across America, but if you're talking about particular types of foods, <laughs> whether it's Cholov Yisrael products or, <coughs> excuse me, if you're looking for Bishol Yisrael tuna fish, um, these are things that you can't find in the supermarkets. Uh, let me just take uh, Costco actually now started bringing in certain Cholov Yisrael cheeses. Um, locally as well, like four or five different Chalvisol cheeses but from natural and kosher in California. But in any case, one of the two Fleischik restaurants, the, the two of them, one is called Casablanca, and the other one is called Kosher Cajun. And they're both very fine uh, establishments that serve very good meals. Uh, but Kosher Cajun also has a grocery and there they have Chalvisol cheeses, Chalvisol yogurts, and they have uh, other all these ki- all, all these kind of specialty products. They'll have Bishley Shell tuna fish, and so on and so forth, and much much more. And you can pick up a box of Amnon's pizza. Uh, the Chol of Yisrael milk that he has for sale over there is in the freezer. So if somebody's coming with little kids and they're not going to be able to handle milk that was frozen, then they should bring milk, yeah. and so on. So when they call me, I kind of um, you, you know. Uh, yeah, based on the question, tell me, tell me what your needs might be. One thing that is interesting here is that we don't have a conventional bakery. Uh-huh. So with everything we do have, which is more than most cities our size, Baruch Hashem, at both Fleshika places, and it says this on the kosher letter, you actually have to request Pas Yisrael because there's no bakery, so they use 
some of the regular breads that you get from Cisco, the OU par of breads, and then they also have in the freezer pastisserie breads, but you have to request it. So you're saying and I there's, write there's that on the letter and it's on my website. I'm you're, sorry? You're saying there's OU pastisserie breads that you're using? The OU par, um, what happens is there's no bakery here. Right. Only the gluten-free bakery, but that's not no, what's being used about in the restaurants. I'm asking pastisserie. You have... Uh, they have they have pastisserie. Casablanca, the Middle Eastern place, has pastisserie available in the freezer. Right. Pita bread, uh-huh. and certainly Kosher Cajun has various pastisserie breads, but they also use non-pastisserie, uh-huh. which is just easier to, just for the nature of, of getting everything in from New York. There's a lot of stuff they get from their regular distributors that are not pastisserie. Right. That would be OU Parv and not pastisserie. So you so, have to request pastisserie. Uh-huh. And when you come in to eat or when you order a meal, yeah. you have to request Correct. Okay, very Correct. good. We have anybody else calling in? None yet? Okay. If anybody would like to call us, you can speak to Rabbi Yossi Nemes or myself, 718-683-5858, or you can text us at 347-927-8398. Before we go on, I'm just going to take one minute off to talk about our good friends at Glotmart, located at 1205 Avenue M. Uh, meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. They've been in business for 35 years serving the uh, kosher community here in Flatbush. Uh, it's a wonderful store, uh, good prices, high quality, uh, very helpful people there. It's a wonderful opportunity if you want to go out shopping. I gave you a simple way to save some time and effort. Go, go down the East 12th Street enter, to the entrance and stop off right before the store and get out and you'll, you'll get valet parking. They'll have your car ready for you to load up with all the items you purchase in the store. And at uh, Glatmart, you're getting quality kosher's. Their, their, their meats are A1. They have ashkocha from the Star K. And for the Bada Kashrus of Flatbush, they have uh, expert Nikur and uh, base Yosef meats. So it, it's a very good store for, for all your general needs. And um, if you meet uh, Dove and Glatmart, Tell them you heard about, Kosh, about Glotmart on Kashrus on the Air. And now we're going to get back. Well, we have two calls already. So please, if anybody wants to call in, you can get in, 718-683-5858, to call us. And you can talk about any topic, but I want Rabbi Nevis to help me out because I'm usually doing it all alone over here. And I'm sure you have some interesting insights to the Kashrus area. Hopefully they're asking about Louisiana or the South or, or traveling in general or Chabad. Because I'd have nothing to say about Chabad myself. And, and if not, then we'll be talking about General Kashrus. Okay, the first caller, you're on the air. You're on Kashrus on the air. Go ahead, please. Hello, is it me? Yes, it's you. Okay, great. Um, I have a question. Um, I've been hearing recently from people um, that they, they're going to vacations to the weirdest places that I never heard of, and their, their answer to me is always, oh, there's a Chabad there. I want to know what Chabad feels about people going to these places. Just because they're there, does that mean it's okay? Everybody um, should be coming there for vacation? So it's actually a good question. Um, I think the answer to that question is our approach here is that we're dealing with after the fact. A person's coming here for a convention, for Panasa, mm-hmm. or they're coming here for vacation right. for whatever reason. We're here to serve them once they're planning on coming here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Chabad houses that actually promote vacations. Now, if there are some people that are saying, um, I'm going to go to some alternative type of place because 
uh, Baruch Hashem, the, the Rebbe has shluchim everywhere in the world. There might be some people saying it, and if it's a place that's appropriate for you to be there is, you know, great. We could appreciate the Eberster's the wonderful world in places that maybe we couldn't appreciate it, and if it's a place that you shouldn't be there, then they shouldn't be there. We should not use, I, I agree mm-hmm. with you, we should not use the fact that so there might be a shliach in a place because of the Jewish community doesn't necessarily mean that we necessarily belong there. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. I'll give you an example. Okay. I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah. I think most places I'll give you in the an world example are... also. What about, like, Hawaii? <laughs> Somebody recently told me they're going to Hawaii. So how could you go to Hawaii? This is what he's talking about. Chabad is there. And then they ended up on the wrong island. <laughs> <laughs> so there you see, it wasn't I mean, funny. just because Chabad is in Las Vegas, for example, and they're mm-hmm. doing wonderful work. I happen to have been in Las Vegas mm-hmm. for a Simcha recently, and Chabad is doing amazing work with, mm-hmm. a, with a youth school in the community over there. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people going to Las Vegas for conventions for Panasa, right. and, and they're using the mm-hmm. service of Chabad. doesn't mean that someone should go to the strip and and to the casinos uh, just because Chabad is there, of course. Right. Well, Chabad's probably right. not in the Good strip, point. but the point no, is... No, no, I'm saying because Chabad is in right. the city. And, and there's also Baruch Hashem, there. other, other shuls there, and other community there as yes. well. It's not, but, but back to your question, I think it's a very good question. As I, mm-hmm. I know people, and I had one gentleman write an article for me, and he's traveled almost every single state in the, in the country. And mm-hmm. he, at that time, I think he had completed the, maybe he's completed the, the whole set, but it, he, he wrote a, a number of articles for me, uh, in the, printed in Cassius magazine, and he constantly mentioned, I stopped off here and with, with, with a Chabad rabbi for Shabbos here and for there, and there. like Rabbi Nemes said, many Chabad rabbis provide kosher food as a part of a business. They charge money, uh, whether it's for a specific straight money. In other words, not a donation if you're interested, but something very, very exact. Uh, they, you know, Shabbos to go they have, or uh, they have some other arrangements they have, or mm-hmm. actually, they actually have restaurants that they personally own, and their wife is the, is the cook, or something mm-hmm. else of that nature. So there are people who take advantage of that, or they're just going to spend Shabbos with a Chabad rabbi, and this is the way they're going to go from one town to another. So that's what we discussed a little earlier tonight with Rabbi Nemes, and yes, there is a certain standard that Chabad has. I don't, we didn't really discuss it, but I'm going to mention it myself. I mean, a Chabad rabbi, aside from the question, you know, uh, his status, his level, etc., we discussed earlier, but also a Chabad rabbi will, has to have Pas Yisrael for himself, has to have Chol of Yisrael, and the meats that he uses are very, very carefully chosen. Some Chabad mm-hmm. rabbis will only eat uh, the Lubavitch Shechita, and some will only eat, will eat other shechitas, or at least allow for their hashkacha, or in the shul, or in the town, other hashkachas. And the person in their own house, they may only eat lababa shechita. But whatever it is, not getting, you're getting a quality shechita, you're getting a chol of Yisrael, you're getting pas Yisrael. That's the entry level. What else they have, I don't know. Uh, do they know every single halacha? That's for you to decide. I'm not going to mm-hmm. decide it from here on the whole world to tell you any group is perfect or not perfect. But, but at least you have a starting point, and the rest of it you can do a little bit on the phone yourself. That's how I understand it, and I do know many mm-hmm. people who do it. And the truth is, it is a very good thing for very, very, very many people. Not for everybody, you're right. It's nice, as the mm-hmm. rabbi never said, nice to choose a place that's covered for a, a firm family. It's nice to, 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 to be able to, um, 
you know, to know a, a brand name hashgacha that they used to, fine. But as an alternative, it's a strong alternative. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your okay. call. Okay, we have another caller. Go ahead. You're on Kashmir on the air. Can I help you? Yes, like these sinks that have half of milk, half of flesh. If you put a pot, let's, let's say that's flesh in the milk, like, or the other way around, doesn't need to be kashed out before you use another thing from this, from that type of, like, milk or flesh I'll tell you the truth, I didn't grasp exactly what you're saying. I know you're you're talking about milchiks and fleshiks mixing in some way. You want to try it a little slower, and maybe we'll get your exact question. Go ahead. Like these sinks that have half of it for fleshiks and half of it is for milchiks. Very good. Divider in in the middle. (laughs) If you like, wash out, for example, a fleshik pot in the milchik side or the other way around. Right. Doesn't need to be cleaned out before you, before you use it again. Uh, very good question. Can I answer this, Rabbi Nemes? This is my hair. Go right ahead. Go, go ahead. Go right <laughs> I'm used to these time. things, and I, I thank very much. How old are you, first? Before I answer the question. Ten. And okay, and you're calling from Lakewood. Mm-hmm. Call Tyra. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> thank you for calling. You can use your name already, first name, but at least know you recognize if you're in the future. Um, let me let me just tell you like this. When you have the two sinks, first of all, the problem is that it's two sinks, but there's a shared area. The shared area is not one thing. Usually it's, uh, you know, it goes like um, up and down. So it's, a, it's like a V as opposed to a single line. It's not just one piece. Even it looks to you like one piece, it's usually two pieces there, one for the one sink, one for the other. So they're called separate. There's not an issue about that. The problem sometimes is spraying, that something spritzes. So you've got to be careful. And in some houses, especially where they have small sinks, they'll cover over one side to make sure that nothing sprays in there. But now you said, by mistake, you washed something in the wrong sink. So the halacha is, if you wash something in the wrong sink, that, you, that if it, it has to be that it was very, 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 very hot. And it has to be that it had some meat or milk in there. It can't be just that it was the, uh, uh, a clean pot. Because then if it was a clean pot, nothing's going to happen to you. It's going to be called not by not. In a case of where it was dirty, so usually in the water, there's 60 against the, the, that, that milk or that meat. Sometimes you use soap. Most times, the water isn't hot enough to cause any damage. It's usually enough, unless you would burn your hands under it, and you had a lot of fleshics, a lot of milchiks that went into the sink. You don't have to kasha that sink. You don't have to worry about it. You just clean it out, use cold water, use a little soap, and you're good to go. Okay? Thank you for calling. Thanks. Bye-bye. We have another caller? Okay, you're on Kashmir's on the air. Go ahead. You're on the air. Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Hi. I'm, I'm calling about 7-Eleven Slurpees. Ah. Okay, so 7-Eleven. Today is only 7-7. 7-Eleven, the Slurpees are free. Because 7-Eleven is free. This, the Slurpees in 7-Eleven are free on 7-Eleven. When they, the date is 7-Eleven. July 11th. So we, we only recommend those stores that have actually a hashkocha. And the only one that I know in the Flatbush area is the Avenue J, I believe. It's still under Ashkoch from the Kav K, but you can always check it by calling 
0500 to check out if it's under Hashgacha. Rabbi Nemes, do you have 7-Elevens out there? No, we don't. So do we have There's no Seven Eleven here. But do you have do you have situations where people? Thank you very much for the call. Do you have situations where people want to try to use something that doesn't have a hashkacha per se? Let's say they have ice cream that has an OU on it, or they have it's not called Israel usually, but uh, or they ha- or they have uh, ices or drinks. Uh, fountain drinks. Sure. Something. What, what, sure. what is what's going on out there? What is available? What is the story? What what do you tell people? What do the locals do? And what would you suggest to some of our listeners? Well, it's a it's a very good question. You know, I found uh, that even with the uh, with with those ice creams that are OUD, if the store if if, if the store is not under Ashgacha, uh it's really no way to to guarantee. That the kalim will be clean and and other issues like that. Um, it, what I did find is that with some with, with the fountain drinks and even with some of the ices and slurpees, that uh, when I see on the internet that a certain flavor is kosher, I'll go into the store and check the box. I'll ask them if I can look at the box. That's it. Then I'll tell people that you can drink. You know, in the, in the local stores here, I see which boxes, which of the concentrates are kosher. So uh, people use the ices and slurpees of those things that have an ashkacha, and I'll probably go back uh, every six months to make sure they didn't change the uh, source of the of the flavor. Well, my only experience is that I mean we had in this studio a few times the people from the Cuff K, and it it doesn't really work that way. Uh, in, in, at least for the experiences that we've we've had is that first of all, even in the store they told me that uh, rabbi said uh you know you could put behind you have one slurpee it says this name you have a a backup to pick up in case that goes out because sometimes they're out almost out of inventory and they put a backup a different slurpee flavor there and on the outside it says a certain name but it might be for a while that that's not what's being served in addition to that these things happen much more often than every six months. And I don't know if you want to get started giving Ashkacha. It would be nice if they could. One of the things that they do in other communities is they ask the people, when they come in, that they should ask to look at these things and to see what, what the store is actually using. But I, I would love for you to look into giving Ashkacha on some of those places because over here I'm advising people not to take it. And what the Kuf K is offering is a regular service of coming much more often than you were referring to to check up on it. I right. believe their number was once a month, but it might have been every few weeks. And it's certainly not daily. Nobody's going to check daily. Nobody no, giving us right. is checking daily on the Slurpees. But right. at least something. Right. It need a little bit, I, I, I think it may need a little more regular look at. No, I agree. I agree. You know, it's, I, we actually, I, I give, uh, the Louisiana Coach Committee gives Ashgacha to a number of places that produce uh, syrup for snowball machines, right. or syrup for snowball, that's, you know, ice with, crushed ice with flavor. But again, not in the stores. In the stores, they can use all kinds of flavors. This is just in their, in the factories where they make it, where they put it together. Rabbi Nemes, we have a number of other questions. I want to see what you, you think about them. Um, I'm going to try to get it off the, uh, you know, off the, um, the, email, the, the texting that came in over here. And that is, that somebody's asking about your experience during Hurricane Katrina. Was anybody there? Yeah, well, <laughs> 80% of the, of the city left. 
I happen to remain Bashgacha Pratis. It's a long story. <laughs> That's what he was. Battle... This person knows you, I think, because there's a name attached to it. I'm skipping okay. the name, but but uh, but if you want to give us a piece of it, we'll take it. If you don't want Look, it, it's okay too. You you know, I'll, I'll tell you like this because this it's interesting. This Thursday on the 12th of Tammuz is the anniversary of, uh, of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe coming out of a communist jail, right. escaping a death sentence in 1927. Now, he had a very, very difficult time. He saw horrific things in the, in the communist jail. And one of the very interesting things that he said, he said that if, uh, if someone gave him kol kesev izav shabayilam to go back to the communist jail for one moment, he wouldn't <laughs> do it. But after the fact that someone gave him Kol Kesev Izav Shabaylam to give away the, a minute of the experience that he already had, that, that Hashem put him through, he wouldn't give it up either. Once Bajgachapatsi had it. Look, it was a very difficult situation, but as you, you, when you're in such a situation, when you're on the second floor of the house and the daughter on the first floor, and uh, we were zeichet to see the hand of Hashem in many, many ways in the wow. we saved it. We saved the life of two non-Jewish neighbors, an elderly couple, oh, and uh, and and a lot of you know a lot of goodness came out of it. So we we don't want to ever experience it again. Wow. But for that, it was a very special experience. And again, we were fortunate to see the hand of Hashem. In, in, in amazingly clear ways, and on that on that note, I, I obviously we're all we're all following what's going on in Eretz Yisrael and the very difficult situation there. But they see the Chazdi Hashem in a revealed way. Right. You know, I, I, I just want to say one little add-on to what you said, as if I could add-on. I couldn't add-on to what you told me, but and someday I want to hear the whole story, <laughs> maybe another time. But but uh, you, you know what? It's not just the Hashgacha Protis that you, that you refer to. There's a feeling at those kind of times that you are very close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu because he is taking a... He is involving himself directly with you. Ashkaka brought this maybe the outcome, but not just the outcome. It, you feel that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there with you. It's an amazing kind of a situation. We don't want some of those scary things, but they do, they do, bring, they do convince us of the MS of everything. It's a beautiful, uh, thank you very much there's for that. No, I want to show no question. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's another question here. Does a Jew need to turn on the oven for the gluten-free? I mean, are you making that uh, pas Yisrael or it's not pas Yisrael, the gluten-free? Okay, so that, that's an excellent question. I, I, without getting old, to, the issue actually is not pas because they're not using any, any uh, of the grains over there. Oh, everything is then. used... Everything is used with, they're using rice flour uh-huh. and uh, some other alternative flours like that. There was a question of Bishel. Right. And it was a very, we spoke to many Hashgach agencies and, and, and Rabbanim. And what they actually came up with, because the, the products are pretty good, they basically came up with that unless people, we should, we should what we actually did is we tested, we gave it to like 10 Goyim, yeah. regular Goyim who we knew. And we told them, our question is not whether it's edible or it tastes good. Do you think it's as good as this donut or this bread as good as the, as the, as the regular bread in the bakery that's made with wheat flour or rye flour and so on, or oat flour? And if they, if they would have all said yes, then we would have a problem 
whether certain things can be Eilal Shulchan Malachim, but basically the Rabbanim said, if the answer is that it's not mamish on that level, then the thinking is the only way they would serve it at a state dinner in the White House was if it was a special event for gluten-free people or a table for gluten-free people, but it would not ordinarily be served al Shulchan Malachim. It was a long process. I spoke to the, to the OU and the Chafke and the Starke and, wow. and spoke to various Rabbanim, and that, that was the end result of our research. Wow, that's very interesting. I never heard of such a psak, and I never thought of this case, so I, I appreciate your sharing that with us. Um, sure. Now, uh, we, have a, we have a caller. Okay. You, anybody want to call, you, we can still reach us at 718-683-5858, or you can text us at 347-927-8398. Go ahead, David. Okay, you're on. Kashus on the air. Can we help you? Yeah, hi. Nice show. Thank I have you. a question. The Chafkei um, has the ice key or ices. It says Chafkei, but it says D-E. What does that mean? No, D-E can mean... D-E we know is Chalavstam, right? Right. Chalavstam is... is mean the average product from the Chafkei that says dairy is Chalavstam. They may have some Chalav Israel products. But the D-E means there is a dairy component here. There's two ways it can exist. One is they were talking about the equipment per se. The equipment uh, was producing actual dairy on it, let's say ice cream, and then we do ices on it afterwards. So now there's an absorbance into the equipment, and that it, and that it gives off into the next product. That's okay. one reason for calling it DE. The yeah, other one, the aloha aspect, is it? Okay, well, is let, it, let, let's get there. First, okay, we'll discuss okay. the facts, and then you'll see what the halachic aspect is. Okay. The second level is where it actually has a small amount of dairy in there. Now, how does it have dairy? We just said it was dairy equipment. Yes, mm-hmm. but some machinery cannot be properly cleaned. It's very mm-hmm. difficult to clean certain machinery, or it, they're not going to guarantee that they use the regular methods of koshering the equipment where they like to do, and therefore... Mm-hmm. It remains actually dirty. Now, you're telling me, and as everyone would say, Bashtin, we're talking about a dairy product. It's dangerous because of the bacteria. It has to be clean. So that, that's in the ideal world. I don't know exactly what goes in this particular product. What many people do is they'll call the Kashrus Agency, whether it's the, the uh, OK or the OU or the, the Cuff K, and try to figure out what the reality is in this particular situation, and they will share it with you. More than likely, because you're talking about something that milk is dairy with, a, with bacteria, and because of the government laws and the dangers involved, the, the, the illnesses that could be a result, they probably clean it very well and just can't kosher it. So that may be the situation, in which case they consider it to be dairy equipment. A Sephardi could have it together with meat if it is only dairy equipment and not nothing, no actual ben inside, no actual uh, milks inside. And an Ashkenaz should not have it together with meat, but could have it right after meat. Again, if there's real content, then some people would say avoid it. Maybe there's a bit of bashisha, maybe there's not. And therefore, this is something you have to really check out with the Kashris agency itself. Okay? Right. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I, I want to. I want to add something, Rabbi Wickler. Yeah. Um, just as an aside, and and the Chafke and I believe the OK also do have products that are DE, and they are, as we all know, reputable national shgachas of great standards. And I've worked for both of them. I have only, only, only wonderful things to say about them. I will say that uh, a wonderful development, which started about ten years ago, I think that the OU, in order that there shouldn't be any confusion, the OU no longer does DE. Right. Only, only they, plain they, D. Even if it's correct. even if it's dairy equipment, they're they're all gonna, only going to use a D designation. Correct. Okay. Thank you very much for the, for calling us. Um. Okay. What? Another caller? Okay. You're on the air. Go ahead. You're on. Kasha's on the air. Go ahead, please. Okay. Um. There's a new toothpaste that came out from Crest. That's uh, flavoring chocolate mint. So is it a problem? I I have no idea. Uh, the first thing you want to find out is what it says in the ingredients. If it mentions glycerin, so then you're dealing with a uh, with a product that is probably not kosher. Uh, the ingredients are probably not kosher. The glycerin is usually really not kosher. It's significant. It has a positive flavor to it, and uh, there is there is an issue now. You may, but you're not ingesting it, and so that right. you know that there's there is a machlokas about that. And best off to ask your own rub. It's not a, a factual thing that I could help you with here. But if it, there's no glycerin there, then we're only going to the flavors. Flavors are less of an issue, especially when you're not intending to swallow. But there are still minhogim about whether they should be, you should be careful, because definitely there are some flavors that are not kosher. It doesn't matter whether it says chocolate or this or that. The question is, what is the flavor made of? And that I cannot tell you. So if you want to be machmir, you'll be machmir. If you want to be mekel, then uh, you can be mekel. But, uh, but, but you should find out whether the product has glycerin and then ask your own Rav what you should do. Thank you for the call. Uh, somebody is texting over here, says, May I serve food or drink to someone who became not from, but hopefully will return to Yiddishkeit? I'm not sure that they didn't ask that question last week. Last week I spoke, Rabbi Nevis, I spoke last week about yeah. Bali Tshuva, and people on the, you know, how to deal with them. And I got, a, I got a call today from somebody who was just enraptured by it. He's unfortunate he didn't hear the whole thing. I'm going to try to get him a tape because he, was, he enjoyed so much the show last week. But this is a question that we did deal with briefly. Maybe you want to go into it. May I serve food and drink to someone who became not from, but hopefully will return to Yiddishkeit? What kind of food and drink is this? What does this no, mean? No, kosher food. Oh, you want to know? Just, not, in other words, maybe let's say he's not going to make a bracha. Oh, okay. So, you, in other words, if you, if I, if I have him on my house, we discussed okay. it last week. I could, first of all, I could be motzi him. Secondly, I could tell him the bracha is. I could put out a bench on the table. I could have a sign on the wall. We went through all this stuff last week. But, right. but, but the point is, if some people, you know, I, I'm not interested, Rabbi. You know, so those kind of people, is there something wrong in providing them with food? He wants to say because maybe they'll return to Yiddishkeit. I mean, the point is right now, can I give him the food? So, uh, look, I, this is a question for a Pesach, okay. but I... Good. I'll but Rabbi Nevis, you, you deal with this as much, at least as much as I do. Go ahead. Yeah, but in most cases, a person... First of all, you're ensuring that the person will eat kosher food. And for you to eat kosher food, right. 
that itself is very important. And usually if you're sitting by your table and you, and you matter-of-factly say, now we're going to make the bracha and now we're going to bench, Good. ordinarily you can assume that they'll do it. Right. And uh, even if not, sometimes that, you know, you, look, it's, it's when you have someone in a family that's leaving the derech and they're rebelling, that's a special situation. And the special mechanchim and rabbanim that deal with that, but you know, certainly as a lavavitcher will say, generally the rule should always be yimin mekarevus. Right. Sometimes you need smell deicha, but that's <laughs> you got to you need a rough to tell you to do that. In other words, Rabbi Nemes, you want to say that we got to think a lot more about not giving it to them, <laughs> which is definitely true because in today's world, we, the people are drifting away like flies. There's so many people getting lost. First of all, I think now I'm going to now I'm going to discuss what I skipped in the beginning of the show before you stuck it. If I was going to say a word before you came, you know what's missing today, Rabbi? We are mm-hmm. having a lot of people who are drifting. They're drifting away. They're switching from one yeshiva to the next. They're not happy in life. What's happening is people are not happy. They're not happy with their life. They're not happy with our Yiddishkeit. There there are plenty of people out there today who are not happy with their school, they're not happy with their family, they're not happy with the shul. There's a lot of dissatisfaction. And what we have to bring is happiness. We have to bring... A friend of mine puts out, put out a booklet called Good Morning, and the importance of saying good morning. And if anyone wants to email me at kashras at AOL.com, I'll try to get you the booklet. No, no charge. If, if anybody wants to text me, you can also text me at kashras, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. I'll try to get you the booklet. Good morning. But it's, it, we need more stuff like that. So obviously, the answer has to be we've got to give them, we've got to show the interest. We've got to, the question is how, that's all. Right. I agree with you. Do you have anything else to add? Maybe you want to share with us a story. There's so many people came through. Hundreds and hundreds of people we saw in the last 23 years. Give us a good yep. story. <laughs> okay. So, we need a Maisa. I'm trying to uh, think of so, one on the spot, but uh, I'll tell you like this. I'll tell you a story that happened uh, quite a few years ago okay. that I once had. We had a Friday night dinner. And uh, was going to be in shul. We we're going to have a lot of people over, but right before um, right before dinner, uh, I'm sorry. Right, it was like ten minutes before lichbench, and I get a call from a gentleman that I know that his brother is in in cardiac arrest mm-hmm. or congestive heart failure, and the doctor says he has um, three hours left to live. And I, I ran to the, the hospital. Is across the street. I left my house. I ran to the hospital. And there was like 20 people in the waiting room, and everyone's crying. And I walked into the CCU, and there's a person holding his hand, and he says, uh, and he says, you know, Phil, Phil is the person who's very sick. And they didn't tell Phil how bad his situation is. They say, Phil, um, you know the $3,000 you owe me? He said, he said, yeah. He says, well, you don't owe it to me anymore. He said, why? What's the matter? Are you kidding? He said, no, no, you just don't owe it to me. Just forget about it. It's forgiven. All right. I had the people all went out except him and except Phil and his brother. And I, as much as I would usually stay with the people, I was having seventy-five people over for Friday night dinner. Seventy-five, <laughs> Rabbi? No, there was a special dinner. It wasn't a oh, weekly thing. Okay. Not every. We don't have every week seventy-five. <laughs> we usually have twenty. But still, a lot but of was, people. It was, yeah. it was an event that we were having right. in the show, and right. and I had to go to Kabbalah. I had to go to Minchin Kabbalah Shabbos. I was already late. At that time, I 
Rabbi, Rabbi here. So I, I, I only had a few minutes. I just spoke a little bit about, you know, the Chavis Alvavis and Bitochin and to trust in Hashem that I've seen miracles in this building. And, and then at the end I said, you know, call me if you need me. I'm right across the street. And you know where my house is if you need me at night. You know, of course, we know what that means. You'll need right. me. And he says, if not, I'll see you tomorrow morning on the way back from Davening. I'll come visit you and we're going to have, you know. Anyway. I, I, I walked out, and the brother walked out with me, and he says, Rabbi, that was so nice of you to tell him that it brought some hope and some joy to him, uh, even though I know you didn't really mean it. I said, no, I meant it. <laughs> <laughs> Hashem, you know, Hashem yeah. we, right. we have to have trust in Hashem. Right. And as, uh, as the, the one of the Chabad Rebbeim said, think good and it'll be good anyway. Right. I, I, you know, today, and with more time, I would have also prepared this, we have to say vidui and everything, but I had only a couple of minutes. I went to the Kabbalah, to Mincha, Kabbalah Shabbos, the dinner. I don't hear anything from them. I, I took my family. I went to sleep early in the morning. I, I realized that, you know, I have to go back. I come there at 7 in the morning, and first my heart, um, my, my heart fell because there's nobody in the waiting room. I go into the CCU, and he's laying there comfortably against all the odds that the doctors thought he recovered. Wow. And he lived another nine years. And he wow. did pass away a couple of years ago. So wow. I wanted to, uh, may, may we all see uh, miracles wow. in our lives. Amen. Thank you, Rabbi Nemes. Thank you very much for being on the show. And we're looking forward to the next time you're going to join us. And I hope you get many people who come down there and yeah. that they'll, they'll, now they know who you are and they'll be able to join you. Could I give, let me just give them, can I put on my website here? Yeah, sure, sure. Go ahead. Okay. So you could try either um, LouisianaKosher.com, that's our LK, Louisiana Kosher Committee website, or you can do JewishLouisiana.com. Thank you very much, Rabbi Wickler. Thank you for, thank you for coming, uh, coming aboard. Thank you very much. And I w- wish all my listeners a wonderful week. We're looking forward to see, speaking to you again next week.